Hey, welcome back everybody to Acts uh, Bible Study with Pastor Jeremy and Pastor Mark. We are in Acts chapter 21. So uh, reading from the New International Version, uh, NIV translation, if you want to follow along at home. And again, I say this a lot, I know, it's just this just the whole book of Acts, it reads like history. Yep. Uh, the names, the places, the dates, the times, the events that happen who's traveling with who, all these details that, uh, for me, just confirm the authenticity of these events. Yeah, I think that, you're going to see that even more today, uh, really alive. Like you said, it's in the whole book, but today, as the chapter begins, it's really throughout every single word there. Right, and, and, they, and they talk about uh, Luke uh, writing the story, uh, the account of things that happen, right? He, he doesn't, like, just put in the rosy things. And, and, you know, if you were trying to embellish, uh, I don't know, say if you wanted to make up a religion or something. Yeah. You know? But, uh, like, everything in it is just so human. The, the way people it's just react real. in their faith. Yeah. And, no, don't go to Jerusalem. You know? Yep. It's, uh, it's just so human and real. So here we are, Acts chapter 21. And uh, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. <clears throat> we took a couple of weeks off, but Paul is saying farewell to the Ephesian leaders they accompanied mm-hmm. him to the ship in the chapter 20 and then 21 picks up with this really again this similar is a really strong bond you can see uh, between paul and, and the ephesian christians because verse one after we had torn ourselves away from them we put out to sea and sailed straight to coast great descriptor right yeah they were on the beach they, they got on their knees they prayed with each other uh, they said their farewells. Paul just knew this would be the last time he would see him. Yeah, you can almost like hear in that word like this <clears throat> physical contact that's yep. there between the between the two of them. And I've or seen, them. Yeah. you know, I've, I'm not old enough yet in my family, but I've seen it in, uh, you know, like my parents or grandparents. You just kind of have that when the siblings get together, mm-hmm. um, maybe for a funeral or something, and then it's kind of like this. They live in different parts of the country, and it's kind of like, now, this might be the last time that mm. we're physically together. Mm. Um, there's just this. I mean, even maybe maybe not even permanently, of, but uh, even for us as humans today, maybe there, we know there's going to be a, a sense of time in between, mm-hmm. right? Maybe some of us even feel that now, maybe in a, in a different opposing manner of people we haven't been able to see. You know, somebody came into the office the other day. I felt so bad for her that she's not going to be able to go see her daughter around mm-hmm. Christmas time yeah. in uh that's just, I mean, that's just heart-wrenching. And so maybe we look at these words today and we see that, again, this isn't something new for us as Christians. We like spending time together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and it is difficult to be separated. It is. That's a great, great point for all of us today in this uh, pandemic. So well, we're still in the middle of verse 1. So they tore themselves away from each other so they could set out to sea. The next day we went to Rhodes and from there to Patara. We found a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, went on board, and set sail. After sighting Cyprus and passing to the south of it, we sailed to, on to Syria. I don't know, when I was reading that earlier, I was thinking about how they didn't have GPS, you know? Oh, my gosh. You, they're like, oh, oh whew, they're Cyprus. We made it. All right, let's sail around the south and start kind of going that way. And you're not talking about just during the day, right? You're talking about evening sailing, yeah. just like completely dark and like trying to find one place, not knowing what you're going to come up against. Yeah. Oh, man. This wasn't like getting on an airplane and uh, turning the movie on. No. I mean, I mean, this is traveling across the seas in this day. was yeah. not. It was, it was dangerous. 
All right, so headed to Syria. We landed at Tyre. Uh, remember Tyre's up on the, like this is Jerusalem and Israel, the Mediterranean Sea. Tyre's up to the north, the north coastal town. Uh, this is where our ship was to unload its cargo. Finding the disciples there, in other words, the church in Tyre, the Christians in Tyre, we stayed with them seven days. Through the Spirit, they urged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. Verse 5. But when our time was up, we left and continued on our way. All the disciples and their wives and children accompanied us out of the city. And there, on the uh, beach, we knelt and prayed. After saying goodbye to each other, we went aboard the ship, and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre and landed at... Gee, that's a good one. Tol... Ptolemus. I think this P is silent. I think Ptolemus, you got it. Where we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea. Now we're moving south. Uh, and stayed at the house of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven. Uh, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Verse 10. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. Uh, coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt, Paul, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. Hmm. When we heard this, uh, and there's that we again, you mentioned that, uh, pointed that pronoun out yeah. last week. Uh, Luke, we're all together here. Uh, when we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea accompanied us and brought us to the home of Nason, where uh, that's where we stayed. He was a man from Cyprus and one of the early disciples, one of the first believers. So as you mentioned, just lots of uh, details specifically in this days that they stayed, places that were visited, amount of the time it took place, there. lots of individual names throughout yeah. here. So, and again. Uh, like you were saying earlier about this, they, they would go and greet the, their brothers and sisters in Christ. They stayed with them seven days. They mm -hmm, stayed with mm -hmm. them one day. They stayed with them. It wasn't just like they hopped on the interstate and went straight to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. They stopped along the way to visit with all of their family of faith. And you can tell, again, they were, again, they were kneeling on the beach and praying. They were, uh, people what were a cool picture that is. I, lo I love that. I love that. California boy, yeah. Well, I, that would be your thing. you know, funny enough, uh, I was talking with uh, somebody who came to the prayer vigil here about uh, Pastor Beyer, uh, you know, a very instrumental piece here at Desert Foothills. When I served at Shepherd of the Desert one time, I was going through some files that we had, and, you know, Pastor Beyer used to be there serving, mm -hmm. and I found these old photos and started pulling them out, 
and it's a picture of like all these people, like in <laughs> they're definitely older pictures, yeah. sitting on this beach. And I was trying to figure out what they were. And I guess Pastor Byer used to take the whole congregation, like not have weekend worship, Whoa. take them all down to Rocky Point, Mexico. Yes, and do service projects and do worship on, on the, the beach. beach. And you had all these people sitting down wow. there, hanging out, doing worship. It was such a cool picture. And when <laughs> I read funny. this today, I thought of those those pictures of our Pastor Byer. So I did not know that. I know. <laughs> I know he loved the vacation yeah, there. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Do like men's trips. Cancel, no, you cancel the whole church, take everybody down that. there and do a worship on the beach. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was pretty neat. We should consider that. I bet there's a write-off there, too. <laughs> I'm sure there is. I don't know if we want to go to Mexico right now. I might have to find a different beach. So. And you know what? It just dawned on me. You're telling us. That's a great story. I, it could go on down, down that road a little bit, but... That I just occurred to me. Desert Foothills has actually stolen two pastors from Shepherd of the Desert. <laughs> I didn't even realize that until you said that. That's true. Yeah, how about that? No, he's stealing. We're just kidding. All right. It's a joke. Well, let's continue on. Unless you have any other comments about this, lots of, again, details, history elements in yeah, here. Yeah, just the love, the farewells. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, Paul's confidence, right? Saying, hey, uh, I'm going forth. Somebody just prophesied that I'm going to be handed over. But, you yeah. know, you just got to keep preaching the good word. Yeah, well, I mean, there's some of the love, too. Right now, twice now, two different cities. Like the churches are saying, Paul, please yeah, don't Yeah, stay go. with us. Yeah. I mean, a prophet comes and takes his t- belt. Let me, let me do a children's message, like an object lesson for you. I'm pretty you. good. Watch this. How long is this belt, by the way? Doesn't he say it's his legs <laughs> and his hands that right. he, he bounds together? Like, it's a long belt, Paul. Like, look at this. This is you. You don't want to be this. <laughs> All right, verse 17, Paul arrives at Jerusalem. Uh, When they arrived at Jerusalem, the brothers received us warmly. The next day, Paul and the rest of us went to see James, and all the elders were present. Paul greeted them and reported in detail what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they had heard this, they praised God. Uh, Then they said to Paul, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews have believed, and all of them are zealous for the law. They have been informed that you teach all the Jews who live among the Gentiles to turn away from Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or live according to our customs. What shall we do? Then they will certainly hear that you have come. So do you uh, do what we uh, tell you. Here are four men with us who have made a vow. Take these men, uh, join in their purification rites, and pay their expenses so that they can have their heads shaved. Then everybody will know here there is no truth in these reports about you, but that you yourself are living in obedience to the law. As for the Gentile believers, we have written to them our decision that they should abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. The next day, Paul took the men and purified himself along with them. Then he went to the temple to give notice of the date when the days of purification would end, and the and the offering would be made for each of them. So again, he's welcomed warmly as we continue to be able to see. Talks about the successfulness that's being performed in the ministry that God continues to have. Uh, the people praise them, and then they get into this interesting, I don't know, circumstances of going through this unique process here to be able to, I guess, outwardly show people uh, a certain element so they can witness for themselves, I guess, that he's the, the real deal in some way. Yeah. This is a, I mean, this is really a pretty big point for Christians still today, even though we, I think probably we look at this as kind of, oh, this is the Christians teaching the Jews 
kind of whatever during this time period about no we're saved by grace we don't have to follow the law but uh, so Paul was obviously accused and, and maybe it was a misunderstanding uh, from, from what they had heard somebody say what Paul said what Paul said what they said you know oh Paul so whatever however it got back to Jerusalem some people uh, Christians believe that Paul was telling people when he's going out in Asia and Greece and plant churches we don't follow the Old Testament law anymore don't do it absolutely we should not do that and so there he comes back to jerusalem they're like yeah this is really concerning me why are you telling me it's like mm-hmm. no no mm-hmm. uh i'm saying we don't have to follow the old testament ceremonial laws the customs um and so to help clear up the confusion right paul volunteers to say okay i'll do a very public uh, custom ceremonial law this kind of uh what is it called here in this translation? Is it purification? purification. Yeah. Kind of the seven-day, uh, almost like a fasting, prayer and fasting, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. isolating. And then when the seven days was over, they would shave their heads to signify that it was complete. They had gone through this. So people saw him and would say, oh, hey, hey, he just did the purification rites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I, I think the Old Testament is often viewed as being very legalistic. Like sure. Kind of the religion of the Old Testament was, okay, the Jews had to follow these laws. God would bless them or something, you know. Uh, and now the New Testament, this is something completely the opposite, completely different, where we don't do anything. For God God just, just blesses us. But I think there's a deeper lesson here for for the Jews, but for us still today, as we look back at our heritage and our, of our faith, right, Judeo-Christian faith, is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I always, God has always saved people by grace, and our proper response to that is to whatever, follow the Ten Commandments or follow, in the Old Testament, there were certainly more rules mm-hmm. and yeah. ceremonial yep. laws and food laws and, yeah, but that, the people didn't get saved by following those laws. Yeah. Because who did it perfectly? Nobody. Same as today. Nobody. Yeah. Um, God chose Israel. God, well, go back to Adam. He created Adam. God chose Moses. God chose Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. God chose Israel to be this blessed nation and their proper response to that. And so I always go, I think the Ten Commandments, you go to Exodus 20, it's a perfect example. We think of the Ten Commandments as being kind of the epitome of the law, right? This is the law of the law. But the very first verse before even the first commandment is spoken is, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of slavery, mm-hmm. the house of slavery. I am the Lord your God. God is doing the action here. I am saving you. Not because you earned it or yeah. deserve it, yeah. right? I, by grace. And that's really what grace means, the favor of God. Uh, by my favor, by my choice, by my will, I chose you and I'm saving you. Now, as my people, honor, you know, don't... Worship any other gods. Don't take my name in vain. Remember the Sabbath. Honor your father and mother. Don't yeah. murder. Don't. Yeah. But those aren't those laws aren't the way that they were never getting to heaven by following those laws. They were always saved by their faith in God's grace. And I always say the people in the Old Testament were saved by their faith in the Messiah who was to come. Mm-hmm. Just like we're saved by faith in the Messiah who has, come. has come. Yeah. Now we have a clearer picture yeah. of what the Messiah is, did, yeah. and done, and has done for us. Theirs was much foggier, but the faith was the same. The faith, the saving faith, was the trust in God. So Paul 
can absolutely do this. He could follow the food laws if he wanted to. I'm not going to eat shrimp or, you know, whatever. Uh, do the purification right. But all of that is a response to God's grace. And Paul knew that as a Jew, and he knew it now as a as a Christian. And I think it was, I, th- I think that taught a lot of people in Jerusalem, that little simple week, that one little week that he did this, um, a lot about God's grace and a lot about how the Christian, you know, Jesus is the fulfillment of, of all of the God's laws and saves us that way. Well, I, I look at his actions here too, and I think of Paul's words when he says, you know, I have become all things to all people that I might save some. You know, he could have told these people, you know, I'm not going to do any of that, you know. Heck with heck with you guys. You want me to pay for some of these? He's, it's not just him, right? It's talk about he's sponsoring these other guys, paying their expenses. Yeah. We're going to do these things. He could have just been like, you know, I don't have time for this. I want to keep doing this, but he actually takes time to be able to devote to become those things for those people. Not to say uh, that I'm giving up all of my values for uh, the concept of grace. But to be able to say, you know, I am like you, and here's something that will open up the door for being able to share even more of who Christ is. And, you know, again, a challenge for us I hear every single week, I think, in these these words. Uh, how do we do that? How do we become all things to all people around us so that at the end of the day we might save some? You know, what does that look like for your for your neighbor? What is it what does that look like? for maybe somebody you don't see eye to eye with. How do we back down sometimes? I mean, you were even talking today about, you know, when do we need to be apologetic, even when we think maybe we're in the in the right, well, we know we're right, you know, how do we still gauge that to be able to have open communication with people around us? Because it's amazing of the infighting we see between us as humans that really doesn't need to exist. It doesn't, and that's not some utopia item. Uh, really the infighting we have is because uh, not of just our differences, but it's because of the sin that we have in us. And it, you know, those emotions sometimes overtake us. So how do we battle against that? As Paul does, a guy that's very emotional, a guy that's very strong-willed, and see how he backs down again to be able to, to win these people over and show who Christ is. So maybe just a challenge for us then too. Yeah, but even after these things... Oh, hold on. I got one more point. I okay, to okay. Unless you're in a hurry. <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay. <laughs> Uh, encouragement. Uh, right here, as soon as he gets to Jerusalem, back in verse 19, Paul greeted them and reported in detail. So I said it, this already. No, uh, listen. <laughs> in detail, what God has done among the Gentiles yes. through his ministry. Now, in detail. So Luke didn't write down Paul's report, his speech. Like We don't have the minutes of this. But Paul went in detail. He's like, man, when I was in Cyprus with this, and when I was in... Uh, Fee, you know, Ephesus, the this is what happened. When I yeah. went to Athens, Athens, these philosophers, they invited me. To, I mean, you know what I mean? This yeah. is like yeah. a pretty crazy and awesome story. And then when they heard this, they praised God. And then they said to Paul, hey, you see how many thousands of Jews have believed? Mm. And it's like the Gentiles, you've been out you know, on fire, you know, bringing Gentiles to faith. While you're gone, all of these thousands of Jews here in Jerusalem, they've all become believers now. And I think it's, and this is right at the beginning, you know, right when they see each other for the first time. I think it's so important for us to encourage one another. Uh, in, oh, yeah. In the good things that God is doing in our lives. You know, they hadn't seen Paul in, I don't know how long it's been, a year or so. And mm. uh, 
So Paul's like, man, God did this and God did that. I saw God's hand. I see God saved my life from the stoning and God brought people to faith. And, you know, his, his brothers there were like, man, and we saw God, uh, even in this famine, take care of us. We saw God bring more Jews to faith during the hard times that we were in. And uh, I don't know. I think I know I could work on that a little more. The, just bringing God into the daily conversation. Hmm. That's another good challenge, I think, for, for all of us. You know, driving your uh, son or daughter to school and say, oh, wow, what a beautiful sunrise today. Just say, wow, look at, look at the, what God painted in the sky today. Look at this beautiful sunrise God gave us this morning. Yeah. Uh, and just those blessings from God and just being able to recognize it and my point here, sharing those with other people, because that's what encourages. Yeah, I mean, just just this uh, last week, I had the guy that comes over and he uh, just does the the p- local pest control at our house. You know, comes around and sprays the outside of the house, and it was super early Saturday morning, and I saw him mm-hmm. come up and he kind of didn't want to knock on the door. I think because it was pretty early, I was already up, and I saw him and kind of waved, and I opened the door. And I said, oh, hey, hey, man, how's it going? Uh, I said, yeah, I appreciate you not knocking. My wife and daughter are still sleeping. I said, how you, how you doing today? And he just says, uh, oh, brother, I am, I am blessed. Uh-huh. I am so blessed. And uh, oh, it, right. it, was, it was a cool, like, yeah, transmission good... to me. This guy that's coming over just to spray poison on the outside of my house to knock down cockroaches and crickets or mm-hmm. whatever. I'm blessed today. You know, I get to come over and, and do this. And, like, that's it right. wasn't just something he was – you could see it was really in him. And that's cool. him transmitting that to me really was just even early on that Saturday morning, like – Oh yeah, I should, I, I should remember that too. <laughs> yep, I am. Too, you didn't need, you didn't need to say anything else, right? Uh, it was a, it was a neat piece. So yeah, being able to share that, like you said, encouragement. <laughs> You're all blessed. All right, you want to take it? Twenty seven. You got it. I hope Paul gets arrested. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him. Now, I won't get into it, but these Jews from Asia had been stirring up trouble when he's in Ephesus. Yeah. They stirred up trouble in Iconium. They stirred up trouble. So anyway, here they are, verse 28. So shouting, men of Israel, help us. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against our people and our law in this place. And of course, you know, they're in the holy city of Jerusalem. Yeah, that's what they're upset about. And besides, he has brought Greeks into the temple area and defiled this holy place. Which, if you know Paul, he would never do anything like that. But 29 explains what happened. Uh, in parentheses, uh, they had previously seen Trophimus, who is an Ephesian, in the city with Paul and assumed that Paul had brought him into the temple area. Uh, verse 30. The whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, News reached the commander of the Roman troops that the whole city of Jerusalem was in an uproar. He at once took some officers and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Now they're worried, right? So we won't get into politics today of all days, but it is, I mean, it's a pretty simple practical lesson here, right? Uh, When the police show up Hmm. in force, the rioters... They die down. down. They yeah. down. Yeah. When there's no police there, it's a mob. Yep. 33. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Now, where do you think they put those two chains? Where did the prophet put the belt? Hmm. 
And his hands and his feet, huh? Makes complete sense, right? You see that fulfilled. Then he asked uh, who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another. (laughs) And since the commander could not get the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, uh, the violence of the mob was so great he had to be carried by the soldiers. Hmm. The crowd that followed kept shouting, Away with him! So the prophecy comes true. You know, mm-hmm. he's bound, he's taken away. These guys are upset with him. Uh, funny enough, you know, it says that they think that Paul, they just assume that he had brought him into the temple area. They're probably just looking for a reason to be able to get him mm-hmm. in trouble. Obviously, they don't care about this other guy that's coming to the temple. He's fine. You know, you go away. We're just using you to be able to yeah. to get to Paul. But, uh, yeah, it, it incites this, I mean, he uses the word there, riot, right? I mean, and it kind of spreads between these people. And it seems like it gets pretty bad here. You know, they, they have to really break these individuals up to be able to basically save the life of Paul. They're trying to find order, and that's why they arrest him, right? It, it's, it's almost for, it's just as well for his benefit. They don't even know exactly what has happened here. So they capture Paul, and they take him there, reaches these steps, and it's so great. It talks about these soldiers lifting him up or carrying him in some fashion, right? That they can't even yeah. uh, contain the people that are around him. And then the, the crowd shouts those concluding words, you know, away with him. Get rid of him, you know. They're hoping that they're going to even maybe put him to death in some way or at least imprison him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just as uh, Paul was warned, um, so it played out. But he did not uh, did not fear that. He looked forward to sharing the the gospel one thought i don't know how much of a stretch it is because they were already pretty the whole city was aroused they were enemies angry but this whole assumption that they made about uh his buddy from ephesus the gentile being in the temple i mean they nobody saw it no but they were so angry or well we know the jews from asia were angry and they pretty much had stirred up the whole crowd they got them so excited and mad i guess at paul yeah that they just assume the worst. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I think they're. I think they're even looking for a reason, right? Yeah. It's not even just the assumption; they're looking for it. Yeah, but I think again, that's why I thought maybe it's a little bit of a stretch for us today. But I just think about how if we get mad at somebody, how easy is it for us to just assume the, the worst? worst? Oh, it's instant. Whether it's that particular thing, event, word, whatever it was. You assume the worst motive for that. Mm-hmm. But then anything after that, you see, I don't know, they do this wrong. Ah, I knew it. That yep. just confirmed what yep. I thought. Yep. And eh, they're doing it on purpose. And uh, they don't like me or they're not, whatever. Um, and it's really interesting because, you know, Martin Luther is explaining uh, the Ten Commandments. You know, he talks about like, don't uh, you know bear false witness against your neighbor, right? Uh, he says, not only do you not lie about your neighbor, but you should always speak well of them. Yes, none of this omission for everything. Yeah. And always put the best construction mm-hmm. on, on everything. everything. Yeah, That's one of the hardest phrases for me in all of the catechism. To, to always put the best... So in other words, if you don't know somebody's motives, if you don't know the guilty or whatever, we should always assume the best. Yeah. Not the worst. Yeah, in every scenario. And even when you know the worst, 
still not using that against somebody. Yeah. Right. And again, I think the easiest way for me to always address that, you and I talked about a different issue this morning, is always just trying to think, so how does God look down upon me? Is that what I want? Like the Lord to always use the worst things that I have like uh, against me? Mm-hmm. I mean, that would be not a fun battle fight, even when he's right. And same thing for people around us. Not that they don't need to be held accountable. People mm-hmm. surely do. But not to use those things to constantly degrade somebody or break them down, especially when they know that they have done wrong or when they have been broken down. And so, that I mean, that's just... We, we make those comparisons as humans at times. It's not great, but uh, but we do it. Again, thinking about how does, how does the Lord treat us, though? It always kind of shapes my outlook a little bit better. That's good. Well, we're going to cut it off here because the last few verses uh, really tie into chapter 22. And that's a long chapter, too, so we'll, we'll tackle that all in one piece next time. Yeah, so if you want to get a little heads up, feel free to read verses uh, 37 through uh, 40 there and you'll see exactly what happens it kind of just ends on a cliffhanger so we'll save the latter half of uh, or latter sixth or so of chapter 21 for next week as pastor mark said and hope you can come back and, and meet us for uh, our next next chapter that's right all right with that let's uh, go ahead and close in prayer for today uh, dear Lord, again, we thank you for these words today, for the detail that you have given to us, uh, for the way that you have shared the love of your son and truly proved to your people uh, who he is. Uh, we know we still have faith uh, in your promises that you have given to us by your spirit. But Lord, uh, look at this evidence that is just laid before us and open it up to the hearts of your people. Uh, allow us, Lord, to follow through on this application that we have heard in our lesson today to be able to celebrate uh, the things that we should celebrate in you, the great things that you have done, the ministries that you accomplish in people around us, Uh, to be able to lift people up in high esteem and to be able to put uh, always the best construction on every element, Uh, not to live our life by a mission of not doing things in service to you or to others, uh, for not standing up when we should. And Lord, again, just continue to uh, be with us as individuals, uh, as a church, and of course as a country, as we remember that you are the one that we trust, that you have the whole world in your hands, and that you are the one that drives forward uh, just the momentum of all things, knowing of the gift that you have given to us in Christ. In his name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Jeremy. Yeah, you too, Pastor Mark. And we will see all of you next week.